the Director General of the World Health Organization. Last week, the number of weekly reported deaths from COVID-19 was the lowest since March 2020. We have never been in a better position to end the pandemic. We're not there yet, but the end is inside. A marathon runner does not stop when the finish line comes into view. She runs harder with all the energy she has left. So must we. We can see the finish line. We are in a winning position. But now is the worst time to stop running. Rewad Dionandin is with us. He is an epidemiologist, associate professor with the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Rewat, great to talk to you again. Thank you so very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm thinking we probably have maybe, what, five, eight kilometers left in that marathon? <laughs> you know, um, I've had this conversation so many times over the past couple of years, and <laughs> many of us have been wrong at different times. I think uh, a year ago, I predicted it would be over before the summer of 2021, and I was wrong. Uh, what surprised me was the low uptake of vaccines and the arrival of new variants, in particular the Delta variant and then the Omicron variant. But given what we do know and given the unpredictables, um, it's not unseemly to observe that over the past uh, few months, the global deaths have been declining. And that's a pretty good sign. Um, we don't really know that much about the actual cases because testing is inconsistent and not done well in many parts of the world, including in Canada, frankly. Um, but we do have a good grasp of people dying of COVID, and that seems to be on the decline. So that means there is building population immunity in the population, either through infection or through vaccination, that is hardening our population against the worst outcomes of COVID. It doesn't mean the infections aren't happening. It means that the impact of those infections is less dire than it was a couple of years ago. So that's well, let me ask the question... Yeah, let me ask the question in a different way then. How will we know when it's over, or actually will we know when it's over? Yeah, that's a tough one. First of all, I mean, what is a pandemic? A pandemic is an administrative decision that there is uh, an untoward number of infections in multiple parts of the world that is a draw on our resources, right? So it's, it's decided upon by the WHO in order to release resources and to trigger administrative decisions. Um, but the soft definition is, you know, a, a, a large number of cases in many parts of the world. That's not going to stop uh, as this is, disease becomes part of our landscape for the remainder of the human experience on this planet. Um, what's going to stop is the extent to which it becomes an emergency. That's an administrative decision. So we'll know when the WHO says it's no longer <laughs> uh, a pandemic quality disease based upon their resource allocation needs. But um, one way to look at it is if, um, if we're not seeing waves that aren't very high, right? kind of like the flu, it's a flu season. There's you know, one or two waves of the flu globally. Uh, we may get to a similar situation then we know for sure that uh, we've reached a stage of endemicity, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it means that the pandemic stage of this is over. With the University of Ottawa's Raywad Dionand and Richard Cluche with you this Wednesday evening. I was speaking with a ICU doctor from here in Winnipeg earlier today, and uh, the doctor said, you know, while we won't see it as bad as we've seen it before, the fact is, is that we'll still have healthcare workers off 
because of COVID, and that will still be a challenge on our healthcare staff. And there's that warning out there. And frankly, you know, we have been surprised by other variants before. We should not be letting our guard down in any way. So it gets to the point then when we need to talk about vaccination and vaccination rates, because I I, I see what's available right now. I see the most vulnerable that in my life that are getting that vaccine, the next vaccine, and are waiting for the next vaccine. And then I talk to people that I know that have, you know, had their two shots, had their third, not necessarily their fourth. They have kids in school, but they're they're laggards on this. And and so do we get a sense that from a national rate where Canada was really good off the start that, that we're lagging? Um, yeah, depending on what the goal is here. So what's the purpose of vaccination? There's two goals here. One is to keep people out of the hospital and out of the morgue. And the other is to harden the population against actual transmission and infection. So to get that last goal, you need the additional boosters or an improved vaccine. Hopefully the latter, until the latter comes, we'll accept the former. But for those who've only had two or three doses, um, they've got pretty good protection against the worst outcomes, hospitalization and death. So are they laggards? They are, but they've kind of accepted that, you know, that um, they're okay getting sick so long as they're likely not going to die. Now, having said that, the caveat, of course, is that lots of people are still ending up in the hospital and lots of people are still dying. That's, and that's not a good thing. Um, so should we be pushing vaccination harder? I think we should be explaining the merits of vaccination better. I don't want to phrase it as pushing so that people aren't disengaged from it from a misinformation standpoint and see the advantages and can make informed decisions. And as better vaccines come down the pipeline, as they're starting to do, then we can uh, re-enter uh, an invigorated push to market those ones better so people understand that those have a very good chance of bringing the pandemic to an end faster. I do want to talk about that next generation of vaccine uh, a little bit later in our half an hour with Raywad Dionand, an epidemiologist, associate professor with the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of, Water- of Ottawa. Two weeks into school now, um, you know, we call them the germ bags because they come home with with germs, right? And, and uh, you know, not just on the COVID front, but the fact that we have been somewhat sealed off uh, the last couple of years, it makes us vulnerable to others, other diseases, doesn't it, to, to other viruses? Yeah, to an extent. Um, for that reason, we expect a pretty harsh flu season this fall, kind of like what Australia saw. Because COVID precautions, mask wearing, distancing, symptom checks, those are great. Those are great for even for diseases that are less contagious than COVID. So they've done a good job at preventing COVID. Therefore, they've done a great job at preventing other things like the flu. But now that those things have been lifted, we will see a resurgence of those lesser uh, I don't mean to minimize their impact, but there are lesser diseases compared to COVID. And the flu is prime among them. So I encourage people when the flu vaccine becomes available, do strongly consider getting it. Um, if for no other reason to minimize the drain on your healthcare system if you were to get sick. Richard Cloutier with you and Ray Wadionand, an epidemiologist associate professor with the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Let's talk about the generations of vaccines that we've seen and the progress that we have made. Incredible progress over the last few years. Talk to us about the shots that we will get and then ultimately, uh, 
the types of vaccines that they're working on that will inhale. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that the mRNA revolution was a dramatic leap forward in vaccination technology for a number of reasons. The rapidity with which we can develop them, the specificity of their match to the uh, circulating viruses, and the ease of delivery. So that's been a game changer in many ways, and I look forward to seeing the mRNA technology being applied to other kinds of diseases like HIV and maybe even the flu. Um, right now, of course, we have these bivalent vaccines that have been unleashed upon the population, both here and the USA. And bivalent means two different versions of the virus are incorporated into the vaccine. The original Wuhan strain that terrorized us in 2020 and the Omicron uh, variant, which of course uh, terrorizes us in 2021 and 2022. But in Canada, we have the BA1 version of that bivalent vaccine and the USA has the BA5 version. And the idea is if you have an element of the vaccine that is better attuned to the version of the disease that is currently circulating, you get a, a better immune response to it. And hopefully that'll have an additional dent on transmission and suffering um, as more people uptake that vaccine. But you're alluding to what I hope is the next version of these vaccines, which is the intranasal version. And there are at least 12 clinical trials or 12 candidates undergoing um, testing around the world right now. The Indians, the Russians, and the Chinese have ones that I think are ready to go to market already, and they're based on viral vector technologies. But let me back up for a second. What is an intranasal vaccine? It's one that is sprayed into your nose. And why would you do that? Because um, Omicron takes root in the mucosa of your nose where you inhale it. That's where it enters your body. So if you can imagine a fight breaking out in a nightclub. You could wait till the fight breaks out and send in your thugs to get the guys out of there, which is difficult, or you have your bouncers at the front door to prevent the troublemakers from entering in the first place. So if you're inhaling this virus, it makes sense to have your best immunity where the virus is entering, so the mucosa of your body. And these clinical trials are showing that um, these mucosal um, inhaled vaccines, as we call them, produce a very large amount of neutralizing antibodies. These are the kinds of antibodies that keep the miscreants out of the nightclub in the first place. So there's a strong suspicion that this will lead to not just a reduction in suffering, as the current vaccines offer, but also a reduction in actual infection and therefore transmission. And that could put a stop to this once and for all, to a very large extent. It's not the first time we've had this. Uh, flu mist is a inhaled flu vaccine from 2018. That's been available uh, to much of the world since then. Uh, we have inhaled vaccines in the veterinary population. The hog and horse vaccines are largely inhaled. Uh, so this is not new technology necessarily. It's just newly applied to COVID. And I think it'll be a, a game changer when we finally get there. There doesn't seem to be the same enthusiasm or urgency to get these to market as there was for the original mRNA versions back in 2020, mostly because the crisis is not as acute. And so people aren't willing to spend as much money on to underwrite the, the costs of, uh, of clinical trials. But we'll get there. And then we have the idea of a pan-coronavirus vaccine, which could either be uh, injected or could be inhaled as well. And a pan-coronavirus vaccine is one that accounts for all versions of the coronavirus, including the current variant and all future variants. And that's pretty exciting. It means 
less update needed of the vaccines, and it means that let the same mutate all like is not going to uh, impair the va- the vaccine's ability to curtail transmission. Very exciting times. And while we started this conversation by talking about how the pandemic might be waning, let's not forget that the waning in deaths is true, but we're still seeing probably uh, a fall wave here in Canada. And so the, the waves of infection are continuing for some time. We have to put a stop to that as best we can. And the best way is with updated vaccines that quell transmission, not just hospitalization and death. Yeah, and caution. You know, pay heed to your surroundings, ventilation, all those very basics that um, most of us adhere to on an ongoing basis now. Uh, Ray Watt, is a, always a pleasure to speak with you. I thank you so very much for joining us, and I hope you're well and uh, you've got a, a, a beautiful family. I thank you so very much for staying up a little bit late with us this Wednesday evening. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Ray Watt Dionandin, epidemiologist, associate professor with the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Yes, we have made progress. We will continue to make progress.